Alright, so we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about uh, New Age in the Church. And uh, I wanted to talk about it again tonight. And specifically, I wanted to talk about a book that I had just read not too often. And it's called Physics of Heaven. It's uh, by Destiny Image. Um, essentially, it's put out by Bethel. And my purpose is not to try to make them look bad or, or to try to condemn them or or anything like that. All I want to do is focus on this book and what this book says. Um, it's not our job to tell uh, people who to listen to or anything like that but but this is one that's one of the biggest churches in in America and the world you know and if they're not one of the biggest they're certainly one of the most influential. And so, you know, we just kind of want to talk about some of the things that are coming out from there. Because, again, we as humans in the 21st century, we tend to gravitate towards what looks good, toward what looks successful, toward... Uh, and, and we think that if, if, it's, if it's large numerically or if it has great buildings and, it, you know, and they have great worship and things like that, that God's in it. And... Uh, and that's not necessarily true and stuff and I'm not you know saying that it is or not so again we just want to talk about this book and before we get into the book I just wanted to read something that I had found on Wikipedia because we know that Wikipedia is true in everything and knows everything so I looked on <laughs> Wikipedia um, just to kind of you know describe what New Age is and it says, New Age is a term applied to a range of spiritual or religious beliefs and practices that grew rapidly in the Western world during the 1970s. And we talked about that last week, how uh, during the 70s they had the Jesus movement, you know, and at the same time there was all this New Age stuff going on too and, and things. And like even some of the music that you listen to that came out of those times, like um, even where I work, a lot of times the station that they're listening to is like classic rock and stuff. And, and I'm telling you that... that uh, Norman Greenbaum song Spirit in the Sky comes on just about every day and stuff and you know and, and you know I remember the Doobie Brothers they had a song Jesus is just all right and everything like that and and stuff and so you know and at the same time their name is Doobie Brothers so you know I mean so they're into marijuana too you know and stuff and so that's the whole thing with that time the 70s there was a lot going on and there was a lot of mixture there was a lot of spiritualism and there was a lot of interest in spiritual things both uh, true spirituality and pseudo spirituality I mean even if you look listen to the words of those songs there's good stuff in those songs but you'll be listening to, to the songs and some of the verses you're like what are they talking about <laughs> Because this is, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, Spirit in the Sky is like, I want to go to the best place or whatever, you know. Like, like well, there's these places that you go to when you die, and this one just happens to be better than the other ones and stuff. And so the theology of that time was mixed up, and, and, and a lot of it has bled over in, and carried over into modern times, right? And stuff because even a lot of believers that that are leaders in the church now were saved during that time. Uh, precise scholarly definitions of the New Age differ in their emphasis, largely as a result of its highly eclectic nature. 
Uh, although analytically often considered to be religious, those involved in it typically prefer the, the designation of spiritual or mind-body-spirit. In other words, they're spiritual without having to follow God, without having to submit to any kind of rules, without having to submit to a higher authority. Um, then I just kind of wanted to jump down and stuff. and it. Uh, That's a long Wikipedia yeah. entry. And... Um, Let's see. So basically in their practices, it's like, um, what does it say? It says the New Age places strong emphasis on the idea that the individual and their own experiences are the primary source of authority on spiritual matters. And remember how last week we talked about how the, the doctrine in the church is that you are little gods. Well, that's the same thing that the New Age teaches, right? Instead of seeking outside of yourself for some higher wisdom, some higher knowledge beyond yourself, they would have you seek into yourself because inside of you is, is the divinity. divinity. Inside of you is God. And so if you seek inside of yourself, you will find God and stuff. And, and we saw from the Old Testament that, that when Moses stuck his hand into his bosom and brought it out, it was filled with leprosy. And so that is the problem with the human being is that inside, like the Bible says, we're full of, like Jesus told the Pharisees, outwardly you look good, you look like whitewashed tombs, but inwardly you're full of dead men's bones and corruptions. And that is the state of mankind without God. We need God, we need a Savior to save us from ourselves, to save us from our corruption. The problem with mankind is that, is that, that we are out of relationship with God, right? And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of look at that a little bit. And um, and then I wanted just to talk about this book because we were reading this book and there is all kinds of terrible, terrible stuff in it. And uh, let, me, let me just kind of read it. On page 41 of the book... And, and if you guys want to take notes to, to see with if, if what I am saying is in context, to see if what I'm saying lines up with, with, with what we're saying, with what, if it lines up with Scripture, feel free to do that, right? And in page 41, this is the premise of the book. It says, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, that anointing is real, not counterfeit. And it says that this book teaches that whenever there is a real, there is sure to be a counterfeit. Now, stop right there. In the first place, okay, there are a lot of counterfeits in the world, right? A, a lot uh, when there's money, there there are counterfeits of money and stuff. But that doesn't mean that everything that is counterfeit has a real. Does that make sense? I mean, there can be lots of bad things that don't have a good correlation to them, right? Yeah. Wherever and, there's a real, there's a counterfeit, but not the other way around. Right, and so that statement, just as a blanket statement, is just wrong, right? And it's uh, so continuing on, it says, We shouldn't be afraid to examine the counterfeits because God's power to keep us is mightier than the devil's power to steal us away. The writer, now this book, this book is a compilation, okay? This book is written by several different authors and stuff, and the way that it was written, some some of the uh, are, some of the chapters were were done by phone by phone interview. Some of them are excerpts from other books. 
some of them were written specifically for this book and things. And I know that there are people that will say, well, you know, these people write lots of books. And so, and, you know, and even the person that wrote the forward to the book, you know, they, they might not know exactly what's in the book and things like that. And to that, I say that once again, teachers are held to a higher standard. People that, and, and whenever you, and the thing about the nature of writing books is this, even on a book, a book of compilations, everyone sends in their compilation, right? The editor, before they, they, they send the book to the final publishing, you have a right to read that entire book. If I'm someone that has contributed to that book, I have a right to see what's in the rest of the book, Right. And it's, it's incumbent on me. I have a responsibility to read what the other writers put in this book. I have a responsibility to see if what I put in this book lines up with what everyone else is putting in this book. And if I read what the other authors put in this book, I'm not going to include my stuff in that. Right. And and the whole nature and, and you can't say also that, well, the person that wrote the forward to the book, you know, he might not even know what's in the book. You can't say that because that's the whole purpose for writing a forward to a book. Right. The whole purpose for writing a forward to the book is that I have read this book and this is what I got out of it. And you're encouraging others to write. Right. And you're saying, you know, and, and what you're saying is I wholeheartedly agree with everything that's in this book. Right. And I have seen forwards that say, you know, <clears throat> I, I endorse this book, but I have to say that, you know, I don't agree with this part of a book. Right. Yeah, right. And so that's that's all within the realms of what people who write forwards to books do. And it's not a good enough. I, I don't think that you can say, well, these people might not have known what the book was about or they may have not read it or things like that. That is clearly irresponsible irresponsible teachers are shepherds in the body of christ so teachers are responsible for what they put out and for what their teachings are associated with right if 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 some of the teachings that we put out on our podcast if we find out later that they're being put out in in the watchtower society or some new age thing, I'm going to say, no, you cannot use my stuff. And that's the whole thing about copyright. Unless you're going to come to Jesus or, you're right. gonna, or if it's to like really like share the gospel or something. Sure. Right. But. And that's the whole thing about copyrights. You cannot use my stuff without my permission. Right. And so that's to protect authors and stuff. And so again, it's teachers again will be held to higher accountabilities and you are responsible for what you attach your name to. Right. If there is an article floating around there with my name on it, if it's not correct, if it's not right, if people are misusing it, I'm going to put something out and say, hey, I know that this stuff is going around. I know that this stuff is associated with my name, but it has nothing to do with me. Right. And so anyway, just throwing that out there. So <clears throat> again, they say, um, we shouldn't be afraid to examine the counterfeits because God's power to keep us is mightier than the devil's power to steal us away. The author of this chapter tells us that we need to be much more concerned about reclaiming all of our spiritual goods from the enemy than about being afraid of the deception of counterfeits. Now, again, it's not our place here in this study to try to demean people, to try to make people look bad, to bash people. 
to um, to to judge them unfairly. But the person who wrote this chapter right here um, was censored by his church for um, because uh, the women that were under his his authority felt like he was um, there was sexual uh, harassing stuff. them sexually. There was some stuff happening that was yeah, and and so it's like okay so. Again, to put out that blanket statement that God's power is mightier to keep us than the devil's power it is to well, steal us away. It's a different message than what Paul taught. You know, right. like he said, well, guard yourself against exactly. falsehood. Exactly. And, and, and there's definitely a sense to where, like, okay, the truth is, you know, and, and is stronger than counterfeit. But right. the, the fact of the matter is, as Paul said, be on the lookout for counterfeit. Exactly, and it's the same way Paul told Timothy to flee from sexual lust. He didn't tell Timothy stay in there and fight with it, and you know, and and try to overcome it. He said flee from it. And so the whole thing about it is, is there are some things that, and God will give us strength to overcome things that attack us, right? But when we sit and dance around the fire, or we dance with sin, if I'm an alcoholic and I go to a bar, or if I'm someone that's filled with lust and I, I start, you know, reading Playboys, or you know what I'm saying? God's not going to protect you in that case. Because the Bible says, do not give the devil a place of occupation. Do not give the devil an opportunity. So when you're tempting that then you are giving the devil an opportunity right testing god (laughs) exactly you're putting god to the test so i just want to share something when i was reading i didn't get to finish the book like you did but i did get some chapters in and my notes i wrote um this reminds me of okay so they're basically saying you know take advantage of you can learn from these things you can learn from what's going on in the darkness and and put spiritual goodness to it basically so i said that's like if me and you saying that we're going to, so pornography is basically a counter, it's like saying pornography is a counterfeit of marital lovemaking that's from God. So right. that's like me and you saying, we're going to watch porn so we can improve our sex life and our marriage. Right. <laughs> and, after, and after all, the church doesn't really talk to us about the God, God's gift of sex, so we really need to learn about it from somebody. So how about we just watch some porn, porn movies so we can learn more about our sexuality. Yeah. So... I mean, obviously, you cannot apply that (laughs) and any more than you can apply. Like you said, if you're an alcoholic, you're going to go into a bar and and into a strip bar for that matter and just start sharing the gospel just because you think that you're strong enough to handle that. So and that's the thing. God will teach us. And, and you know, we all know that God has given his his word. To teach us, to instruct us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that scripture is the embodiment of Jesus in, in you know, in written form and stuff. And so if we're to learn anything, it's through his word, not through something that looks like his word or something that sounds like his word or something. And that's what, again, what every cult does is they take parts of scripture and parts of truths that sound good, and then they add Thing, foreign things. And they the add is, other things. The word of God is insufficient. Right. You know, um, like, I understand how you could pull lessons out of this or that other thing, but at the same time, the word of God is sufficient. Yeah. We don't, you know, like, you don't need to go to 
mysticism to find out about God. We right. have his word for a reason. He says he's given exactly. us everything for life and godliness. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like, well, I, I think I could learn something from Satanism to help me in my Christian <laughs> walk, right? Or I could learn something from Mormonism. To, you know, it's this whole thing. Okay, you know, it's like you're digging in wells <laughs> that you shouldn't be in. You're digging right. in cesspools. Why, why are you digging in cesspools when you have the well of living water and stuff? And, you're, and, so, and that's the whole thing about going to counterfeits rather than going to the real thing. Why go to a counterfeit when you can have the real thing? Yeah, and I don't know if you were gonna go here, but like, it's just like, it's just like, you know, Satan in the Garden of Eden yes. being like, mm. well, if you eat of this fruit, then you'll be enlightened, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and, and it was the tree of the knowledge of good exactly. and evil. So the knowledge of evil, so it's almost like, you know, let's learn people, from evil to be good. Yeah, let's learn from evil to be good. And also, like, I mean, I don't know if this is similar, but then now what's coming to mind is in Revelation where it's, like, talking about the church that's, like, you know, studying the depths of Satan or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't exactly phrase it that way, but yeah. kind of. Um, and then, what else was... Oh, like, then there's scripture, you know, about, like, not doing something that will have an appearance of evil. Right. And... Even like I think somewhere is it Deuteronomy twelve or eighteen or both that's like talking about like don't um, take the practices of the pagans and yeah. try to use them for worship to God. Right. Nice. And and that's the thing is like this is this is not a new thing. And new age is not new. There have always been mystery religions. There have always been you know other other religions going on that that the people of God would gravitate towards. And God would always judge them for that. Why are you going to these other gods? Why are you going to broken cisterns that cannot hold water? And uh, in the uh, forward of the book, it says, This book is just a precursor to the revelation that God is going to give us when he releases a new transforming sound. In the first section, we share our journey of discovery about sound, light, vibrations, energy, and quantum physics. This is all stuff that the New Age does, right? But where do you see this in the Bible? Where do you see it in the Word of God? Now, the Bible does talk about light, but not in these kinds of ways, right? Jesus is the light, but but His Word is truth. Yeah, and I can think of one biblical example of you know using a uh, out, out, like an outside thing as a as a as an image and a help uh, and as a teaching tool, but it is to show like if you think about the Ark of the Covenant, right? You know, they had arcs back in the day, but they would have idols on them and such mm-hmm. like that. But then this had no idol on it and God. And so the purpose of that was not a, an adaptation of a false thing, but it was a juxtaposition and about how God sat on the altar. And there right. was no idol. There is no object that you can hold God. Yeah. And there's no uh, thing that is God. And, and that ties into what Cindy said, too, is like from the very beginning, Satan has always had a counterfeit. Well, if you if you try it my way, you can be like God without having to do all these other things. Just like Satan came to Jesus and tried to tempt him. You can have all the kingdoms of the world if you just bow down to me. Satan is the master counterfeiter. And so if we say that we're going to go from scripture to new age, you're just asking to be deceived. So it says, um, it says, that Bill Johnson writes that we can't just camp around old truth. Now, the Bible says, just like you said, 
God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness in his word. That's old truth. It's been here for 2,000 years. But this guy's saying that we can't just camp around the old truth, but should seek newly revealed truths for our generation and then preserve those truths for the generations that follow. There is no new truth. The Bible has been written. There is no new gener- There is no new knowledge. There is no new truth. And that's the thing. Again, that's what the Gnostics were doing. They were seeking extra biblical knowledge. I mean, that's what Gnosticism means. It means knowledge, right? They were seeking after knowledge. And there's always been in the heart of mankind, we need more. Well, Jesus is good. God is good. But we need more. We need more than that. And stuff. And so again, it's going beyond what God has given us because what God has given us is not good enough. We need more than that. It's like the children of Israel not being happy with the manna in the yeah, wilderness. Yeah, exactly. That's really good. Yeah. It says, and then because we are exploring territory that some people fear is full of counterfeits, Jonathan Welton explains that Christians need not be afraid of being deceived by counterfeits. You should realize that whenever we see a counterfeit, we should try to discover the real behind it. <laughs> Again, we don't have to dig in a trash can because there's there may be food there in be there. A fruit in well, I got I got food in my refrigerator that <laughs> doesn't have and mold growing. There on. might be not. There might be. There, there might be a piece be a of chocolate piece. down at the bottom of the moldy. But right. when you can go into your fridge and find food, there's no purpose yeah. to that. Yeah. And you might get bitten by a rat that has rabies. Yeah. But it's it's spiritual dumpster diving. It says you will learn in this book about sound in all its forms. You will read what some astrophysicists have to say about energy, light, power, and frequencies. You will find testimonies of how sound has affected people. In the, and again, all this stuff came out in the 70s, and everyone's going, you people are loonies. You people are weird, and now it's in the church. And now the church wants us to accept this as, oh yeah, this is good stuff. This is awesome. It says, you'll find testimonies of how sound has affected people in the past and now it's affecting people today. And you will learn what many Christian leaders are sensing and hearing from God about sound, light, energy, and vibrations. Now, just a quick uh, disclaimer. There are a couple disclaimers in this book, but... They're just basically they say things like, well, we're really not scientists, but but we but, but we're but we're but we're wanting to go there and we're wanting to study these things and stuff like that. And basically it's the same as like I remember when I was in school and I went I, I would take the um, evolution classes and they said, well, this is a theory. Well, then why are you teaching it like it's fact? Right. Mm, that's good. And so you can say, well, we're not really sure whether we believe this or not. But when you write whole books about it and when you state as a like like you can state something in, in, in one chapter where you say, well, you know, because of certain numerical things and stuff like that. And because certain scientists say that A plus B can sometimes equal D, um, we, we find that a fascinating, fascinating idea. And then you go a couple of chapters later and they're talking about, now as we discussed earlier and stuff and we saw clearly that A plus B equals D, then we can now surmise that, this, you know what I'm saying? And so people put disclaimers, but the disclaimers are only there put there so that you will not criticize them. So that they, it's there just to protect themselves and yet they talk throughout the rest of the book as though these are facts and they want you to believe these facts. Okay? Um... 
Which is just as crazy when they're teaching our children on evolution in our schools without the facts to back it up and they can't really prove it, but it's their theory and they want these kids to believe it is fact. Right. The children. And I wanted to read a little bit of the foreword by Chris Vallotton, or Vallotton, I don't know how you say his name. In this powerful book, Judy Franklin and Ellen Davis assemble a team of seers who peer beyond the curtain of creation to reveal the mysterious nature of our creator. This book reads like a journal that emerged from a Holy Spirit think tank where great spiritual leaders gathered to discuss their insights. And Paul says, we're nothing, right? Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners and stuff. And now we put people on pedestals and we're like, oh, look at the great man of God. It says, uh, they gather together to discuss their insights into the complexities of God. Through their collective intelligence, these seers have emerged with new perspectives never before pondered. This book is a foretaste of things to come, unearthing what the great Apostle Paul penned nearly 2,000 years ago. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. What a profound revelation. Creation itself is like heavenly breadcrumbs strategically placed on the path of life to lead us into the understanding of the depths of God. So what he is using Romans 1 to say is that there's these mysterious things that God is teaching us through his, uni through his universe. But if you go to Romans chapter 1, and I'll turn there. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. But Romans 1 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they were were without excuse for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And look at this, and it says, they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So if you read Romans 1, what it's talking about is God showed through nature to mankind his holiness. And it's not about, well, God, God through his goodness. nature is showing all these secret mysteries and these things that nobody knows about. Matter of fact, he's saying they were clearly revealed right. so that mm -hmm. people were, the, were without excuse. Right. And it says these people, instead of seeing that God is holy through his nature, through his creation, instead of seeing that he's holy and that they need to repent of their works and their wicked ways, instead they worship the creation. They worshiped man. They worshiped the creation and everything in the creation, which is exactly what New Age does. We worship the creation rather than the creator. There is an energy in everything. There, there is God connects everything. God is in everything. Our senses. Yeah. And, and uh, where'd my phone? That's, I wanted to read that too. There was another thing that I was reading about New Age and... While you're looking for that, um, the other thing I thought was crazy about that part is that they're saying that that Paul was bringing to light these mysteries that are being to re right. revealed to us in 2020 or whatever. 
And it's like Paul, Paul already brought the mystery to light, and that mystery was Jesus right. coming to the Gentiles. And so, and the thing is, is not, he was saying that God had revealed them throughout mankind. And he said he revealed them to the apostles as well. So it's not something that's hidden from them, and we're just now discovering it, this new thing. And here's, here's another thing on a different website. It says, this is what a typical New Ager believes. Now, again, this is not every one of them, but this is just a cross-section. Some of the things that they believe is that God is in everything, which is pantheism. And in parts of this book, they talk about how God vibrate. There's a vibration. Everything has its vibration and, and all that and stuff. Another thing that they say is all things are one. God is in everything, so all things are connected. I'm connected to you. We're all connected together and stuff. Another thing that they believe is that man is God. Another thing that they believe is man creates his own reality and one's own experiences validates his truth. So I want you just to kind of think of those things as we're reading and see if you don't see some of these other things. Uh, on the back of the book, it says some of the most influential and prophetic voices of the spirit empowered movement. Some of the most influential and prophetic voices of the spirit empowered movement have joined together to help you start hearing the sounds of heaven and discovering how natural elements, sound, light, energy, vibration, and even quantum physics are supernaturally bringing heaven to earth. Wow. It's a, yeah. And so. You know, they're all into the same thing that the New Age is into. They're into sounds and, and vibrations and, and seeing colors and, and things of that nature and stuff. And, and communicating with dolphins. <laughs> which, bring, which brings us to, well, I'm going to reach page two. And so basically, I'm just going to be reading a lot of this book, and I hope it doesn't get boring and stuff. But, man, I, I just read this, and I'm telling you, I had, my notes had, like, over a hundred pages written down of, of stuff and it's just like oh my gosh just the things that they're saying and on verse 2 of the book it says uh, it says uh, although it says the next thing the Lord told me was that soon he would release a sound from heaven that would literally change the structure of how we think this new sound will transform us like the transformation spoken of in Romans 12 Remember Romans 12? What does it say? It says, um, um, here, I'll turn. I don't remember. <laughs> it's the one about your body as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It goes on to say, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so there, it says this new sound will transform us like the transformation spoken of in Romans 12. Our minds will be renewed so that we will think like him and are no longer conformed with this, to this world, but conformed to the will of God. Now, Again, if you just read that and you don't go to the Bible, you're like, ah, that sounds pretty good. But in Romans 12, verse 1, it's talking about the choices that you make. It's talking about laying down your pride, your selfishness, all the things that hinder you from being like God and, and 
becoming more, made more and more into the image of Christ. It has nothing to do with with, with sound waves or vibrations or 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 any of that. Wow. Yeah, it's almost like they're taking they're attributing the power of salvation to some sound waves and it's like but Jesus exactly. is the one that transforms exactly. our minds and Amen. our hearts. And that's one thing that we're going to see throughout this whole study is that it takes God from being a personal savior, someone that you can know intimately, someone who is alive, someone who lives and breathes, maybe not breathes, but someone who lives, who is living and stuff, and they change, they, they make him an impersonal force, which is the whole thing that's wrong with the new age in the first place, right? God is this impersonal force that every can, every being can can draw from the universe. Control. Every being can draw from the power, from the light substance, and 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 it's and receive that it. power. And they can do that without God. They can do that without having to repent. They can do that without having to be born again. They can without do that without knowing Jesus at all. Without scripture, right? It says, bringing heaven to earth is our mandate, and to do that, we need to think more like heaven. And again, Romans 12 is all about you laying down your life and your selfishness and all that kind of stuff. It says, I began thinking about the day of Pentecost, 120 believers in an upper room in Jerusalem, when they heard a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Listen to what I'm saying. It wasn't a wind, it was a sound. And when that sound ended... The thinking of those men and women were completely changed. Instead of hiding themselves in an upper room, they spilled out onto the streets, boldly preaching about Jesus. The whole idea about a transforming sound has been mulling around in my spirit for years, and I've been studying everything I can find about sound, vibration, and frequency. I don't understand all that it means, but I feel like the Lord has told me that if we will place our hearts in an upper room posture, He, again, he is again releasing a sound that will transform the way we think. I believe that sound is going to empower us to do greater works than He did. Where's Jesus? There is so much junk in that statement. It's, and it's not even Jesus. The whole thing about the men and women in the upper room is the Holy Spirit yep. came. Now, it says when he came, there was a sound. But the sound was not the important thing. Yeah. The sound was not the focus. The sound did not change them. What changed them was that the Holy Spirit came and dwelt on each one of them. Yeah. It, it's like they missed the whole point of the story with Elijah and like there was, you know, the thunderstorm and God wasn't in the exactly. thunderstorm. And, you know, is that yeah. where your mind went? But then, you know, God was, but then he was in the still small place. Exactly. It's so once again, external things, right? right? So once again, they're taking God and they're throwing God out of the picture and you can access this power. You can have this power. You don't need God. It was the sound that changed them. Right? It wasn't the Holy Spirit that changed them. It was the sound. And that is a dangerous thing to do, if you ask me, because the only unpardonable sin is what? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And so I would say tread very carefully on that. But again, the whole point is, is that they're saying that it was this sound that did it. It wasn't the sound that did it. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they just took the Holy Spirit out of the equation. The Holy Spirit's not important. What was important was the sound. The sound of the rushing wind. That's what was important. Wow. Talking, going more on, on this uh, sound conception. In verse 10, or I mean, 
on page 10 of the book. It says, Dolphins and Healing Energy is the title. For centuries there have been stories of spontaneous healings in the presence of dolphins. But no scientists... Now, I've never once in my entire life heard of anyone getting healed in the presence of dolphins. But maybe, maybe it's happened. But no scientific studies of this phenomenon until 1996 when Uplegger Foundation sponsored a project designed to investigate the effects of blah, 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 blah. Uh, jump down a chapter. Since that time, researchers have discovered that dolphins naturally produce an ultra ultrasonic frequency that is four times the frequency used for therapeutic purposes in clinics and hospitals. Although no one really knows how dolphins heal, science speculates that dolphin ultrasound resonates with natural vibrational frequencies of the human body. That dolphins emit frequencies that synchronize right and left brain activities in humans, and that dolphins emit ultrasonic waves that alter, al positively alter human magnetic fields. So now, and then they just leave it now, at that. <laughs> and 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 that's the thing. They just leave it at that. And so if you're else. if you were to criticize sure. that, they're saying, well, we're just giving information, right? Well, what am I going to do if I get sick? Am I going to go have a dolphin lay hands on me, or 